I'm Lee Jazzies, and you're listening to the Euro Trip podcast. Hi, I'm Andrew Begovic, and you're watching Euro Trips. Hello, and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. We are back for our normal review of the week with Champions League back today and yesterday, and also Europa League on Thursday. It's time to digest all the latest action in European football. I am, as ever, your host, Andy, and I'm, as usual, joined by our usual guests, Jonathan, Naeem, and Ryan. How are you, boys? Doing well. Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm all good here, mate. Great to hear you all well. Um, Alex isn't here. Uh, he may um, send us a soundbite, and if he does, you'll hear that in the podcast. So, um, our first thing we're going to focus on this week is all events happening in Germany. So, our resident German expert, Jonathan, is here to let you know what's been happening the last seven days in the Bundesliga. Well, I think it's fair we start off with the biggest upset of this past weekend, which was Bayern Munich. Yes, I'm saying this right. They lost to VFL Bochum. VFL Bochum, a team that just got relegated, or excuse me, that just got promoted this past season into the first division. And it wasn't really that close. Bochum won 4-2. to Lewandowski had a couple of goals. Um, Garrett Holtman had an absolute crazy goal. And I think it was late in the first half and, and that 44th or 43rd minute, um, something like that. Just an absolutely stunner goal. Bayern are currently missing Manuel Neuer, who's going to be out for at least a couple more weeks. Um, but their defense was just a shambles this past weekend. Upa Meccano had several mistakes. I don't know if Sule was already thinking about his move to Dortmund, but he wasn't very good either. Uh, I was probably looking at that fat $10 million contract and, and licking his lips already. He probably doesn't even care about Byron anymore, but they they weren't that good. They didn't even put out a bad lineup either against Bochum, a team that Byron usually you know puts in a couple of players off the bench, rests a few starters. I mean, they had Lewandowski, Coman, Gnabry, Sané, Kimmich is back, of course, after COVID. And Muller got subbed off after a little while, but he sort of played in a more deeper role in this game. But it, it wasn't even close. It was just a bad, bad performance. And uh, Dortmund ended up winning, even without Holland. They won 3 nothing against Union Berlin. Marco Ruiz had a few good goals, and uh, Rafael Guerrero as well added one in, in the 70th minute or something, something around there. Um, and they played pretty well, even without Holland. Their back line was a little bit better. So they snuck just ever so slightly closer to Bayern. I believe that gap now is up to six points. Bad loss for Bayern, but I have no doubts that they will come back um, and win this next weekend. They're going to play Firth. Firth are the worst team in the league. I, I honestly would say Bayern wins 7-2. That's how mad that Nagelsmann probably is after this performance, because absolute shambles. Leipzig won as well. They won 3-1 uh, every single week. You know, I say prayers about Christopher Nkunku. I'm guessing he'll leave this summer. I mean, Leipzig gets such a hefty fee for him, the way he's playing every single weekend. It seems like he scores a goal, uh, some sort of goal, some sort. And it was really nice. Danny Olmo had a fantastic strike as well. Um, and Helinho added a little knock-in towards towards um, the end there. Just for a 3-1 Leipzig win over Cologne, which was a good performance, they move into fourth just barely in the table. I really do feel like that's how it's going to end. We'll go Bayern, Dortmund, Leverkusen look pretty solid in that third spot, and then Leipzig after a really, really tough start to the year. They've come back. 
Um, and they're leapfrogging teams like Freiburg, who tied again to Mainz. A lot of ties been going on with Freiburg recently. Not a great game to watch. Mönchengladbach did win 3-2 against Augsburg. A really, really important win for them as they look to scrap their way out of the relegation zone, which is something I never thought we would be talking about before the season started. I think the issue with Mönchengladbach is they just don't have that number nine, that one guy that they can go to who's going to put away all the goals. Um, of course, Zacharias left to Juventus. Mateus Ginter is on his way out as, as well. Um, and they just are lacking that one finisher. Um, and it's just sort of been a group effort, which hasn't been working. Uh, Kone, who's a 20-year-old, really, really talented midfielder from France, um, had a nice goal. And so he could. he's looking to sort of fill in that Zacharias sort of defensive midfielder type of role um, as he rounds into what's looking like a really, really great player going forward. And Jonas Hoffman added a goal, who's been really important for not only Motion Gladbach this season, um, when he hasn't been injured, but has, has become a big part of the German national team. Um, so that's a big win there for Gladbach. Wolfsburg somehow got a win against Frankfurt 2-0. It's still so weird seeing Max Kruse on Wolfsburg. He was just on Union Berlin just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but a big loss for Oliver Glasner, who was the Wolfsburg co coach. Uh, supporters thought he was quite boring. They didn't like his style of play, a very defensive team. He's on Frankfurt now, has, after a slow start, been doing a little bit better. But he lost to Wolfsburg 2-0, which some people online were making a little fun of. But a big win for Florian Kofeld, who keeps his job for another week. We'll see how long that lasts. I doubt it will be much longer. Hoffenheim beat Bielefeld 2-0. Leverkusen handled Stuttgart. Uh, it would be a shame if Stuttgart went down. They're, they're currently in those bottom two positions with them and them in Firth. I would really hate to see them go down. They've got a lot of talented players. I really like Koulibaly. Um, it's, it's too bad they went. They gave Mark Oliver Kempf away uh, to Hertha Berlin. Uh, but Mavropanos has been pretty good. He's actually scored a couple of really great goals, especially early in the season. So it'd be a shame if they go down, but they can't even get a point um, at this point, which is a little sad. But the other big news, last news of the weekend was Firth beat Hertha Berlin 2-1. to one. I said a couple months ago that I thought Firth could be even worse than Schalke, but they've actually strung together a couple of big-time wins um, they've now actually won a couple of games in the Bundesliga, which I never thought would happen. They did lose to Wolfsburg last week, but they beat Mainz, they tied to Armenia, um, and they beat Union Berlin back in December. So they're slowly, slowly starting to give themselves a chance. I don't think they're going to be able to stay up. It's too far of a climb, but um, to see them winning some games has, has proved me wrong. One last thing I want to touch on is you know, Holland is still out with the injury. It was said today that, you know, it looks like he doesn't, he isn't going to be able to play against the Rangers, uh, Rangers in the Europa League. Um, and I'm just going through his injury history. It's really, really concerning because I felt like he's been out for so long. Um, you know, this most recent one, he's been out for 24 days. And then, you know, earlier this season, he was out for 34 days, problems with his flexor, and then 18 days, even earlier this past season in the fall. And it's, it's not like he's having these major injuries or anything, but it is a concerning trend of him just constantly picking up these minor muscle and knee issues. You know, he had a, several back at, at Salzburg as well. Um, and it's just something to, to take a look at 
as you know, the transfer will come this summer to whether it's Real Madrid. Um, I don't know how they're going to be able to afford him and Mbappe and, and pay both of those salaries or Man City or wherever it may be. Um, clubs, I don't know if they're going to have to do something different with him. I don't know if Dortmund is doing something wrong or if it's just his body in general, but something to keep an eye on. It's, and it's very concerning for, for his suitors. Yeah, I think with Haaland, he's quite sort of, you know, for a striker, I feel like someone who's as fast as he is. So I feel like he, um, you know, maybe his body, so I, I don't know, it's hard to say, he's sort of like, he's quite a big lad, isn't he? He's really tall and he's quite muscly and he's, I, I guess he's around 14, 15 stone, but um, I don't, yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. You know, he, had like, he's ha- he has had a lot of injuries um, in, in his short career, so... I don't think it, I, I personally feel it will damage his suitors. I think people will still buy him regardless. Um, especially teams like Madrid and Man City, they can just burn a hundred quid on the striker. Um, if it doesn't work out, it's no real loss to them. So I feel I don't think personally that will affect his, his transfer value too much. But I do think that it's a bit of concern in terms of when he makes a move, in terms of the legacy he wants to put on his footballing career. Is it going to be another one of those players that has great potential, is a great player, and just has loads of injuries, or is could just be a, a just a pain in his career? He's going to overcome him. He'll be fine in a few years. It is interesting, um, and obviously he's such a great natural goal scorer. I do feel even if you know if his legs do go, you can still have him in a striker role. But I suppose that the modern day system, you know, a lot of teams want their strikers to track back and help. Is whether he. Yeah, it's it's tough, but um, I still think Hammond's going to get the get the move. Um, I still. Personally, I've been saying this for ages and ages uh, that I still feel that he's going to go to Matizzi purely for Matizzi's need for a striker and also the fact his dad played for him. So, um, here's a question. I'll ask around the room whilst we're here. Which club do you think Haaland... Okay, let's test it this way. So, say, in a year's time or in 18 months, which team will Haaland be playing for? It could be Dortmund, could be somewhere else. I'm going for Man City as a team he'll be playing for in 18 months' time. Uh, Jonathan, which team do you think Haaland will be playing for um, in 18 months' time? I, I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I do think it's Man City. You know, of course, uh, a part of me would think it would be the funniest thing in the world if to see him at, at his um, club of his dreams, supposedly, in, in quotation marks, Leeds United, which would never happen in a million years. But that would be hilarious, but that is completely out of the question. Um, Real Madrid, it seems like Mbappe is, is a sure thing at this point. Of course, they'll probably get him on a free. That, I mean, that salary is going to be insane. But I do see him at Man City. I know they just got um, Julian Alvarez. I'm probably butchering that name from uh, down south. But I, I still think that they, they need that tall, big striker. And just from what you were saying, you know, I completely agree. It won't affect his transfer stalkers value at all for these teams that are going to be looking at him this summer because Dortmund has that sort of set release clause in the in the region of 75 to 90 million or so but I I just really hope this this trend doesn't continue he's worked so hard in his headers which has sort of been the one knock uh, some people have had on him in recent seasons and when he has been healthy this year he's, he's proven that he's greatly improved in this area um so I really hope he can stay healthy because just watching him run, that determination, that passion, just running through the seams, getting those through balls in and just putting them away like it's absolutely nothing. It's so, so fun to watch. Um, and that determination, I think, is something that Mbappe lacks. I don't think any other person in the world has that sort of passion that, uh, that Holland 
has. It's really tough to describe, but to answer your question, yes, I think City is the way to go. And then, uh, Ryan, uh, which team do you think Hannibal will play for in 18 months' time? PSG. And Naeem? Um, I reckon Real Madrid, because um, Benzema's getting on a bit. Uh, Jovic, he ain't it. So, yeah, they might try and get him in um, 18 months' time, but yeah, we'll see. It'll be good to see where he's going to grow anyway, to be fair. But, yeah. Real yeah. Madrid for me. Yeah, I think that for me, as long as it's not Matity, I don't really care. Also, <laughs> as long as it's not Man U as well, but as long as it's not one of those rivals, I think I don't mind where he goes because as a, as a fan, I always, I've, I've always been on this thing that obviously I love the Champions League, but Premier League is always my biggest wish every year for my team to win. So, yeah, that is. We, we, we've mentioned Haaland going to Pension Madrid. We've mentioned Mbappe going to Pension Madrid. Now, he played Real Madrid last night, so we may as well head to Spanish League next. So, Naeem. What's been happening in Spain these last seven days? Yeah, so that's obviously briefly on that game yesterday. So PSG um, ran out 1-0 winners, thanks to Mbappe. Uh, it was in a game where PSG, they, they pretty much dominated the, um, the game. They had the most chances. Real Madrid didn't have any shots on target. So I think Ancelotti probably went there to get a 0-0 draw. But it's only a one-goal one deficit. But... Uh, in the second leg, they will be without Casemiro and Ferland Mendy because they have they are will now be suspended for that leg. So a bit of a blow there, but yeah, we'll just have to see what Real Madrid do um, in the return leg. Because um, obviously they still got a league to play for, but I think they want to try and go far in the Champions League like they did last season. So um, yeah, so yeah, one nil to PSG. Um, it was a decent game to watch. Um, yeah, so starting off. The round of fixtures this week, um, last weekend, sorry, was Sevilla. They took on Elche. Um, it was a quite a close game. Both Sevilla's goals came um, in the last 20 minutes of the game, thanks, thanks to Gomez and Rafa Mir. Uh, Martial got the assist for Rafa Mir's goal, so they rounded out 2-0 two, two winners. Celta Vigo and Cadiz, uh, they drew 0-0, but... Celta Vigo did have a chance in the 84th minute to win the game, but Santamina's penalty was saved. So that game ended 0-0. Villarreal, they took on Real Madrid, um, another game that ended 0-0. Um, not too much to really report on that one, but yeah, Villarreal, they, they are quite a hard team to beat um, at times. And yeah, to get a, to get a point at, um, at home to the... Obviously, the top of the table side is, is, is not too bad. Uh, Rio Vallecano, they lost 3-0 at home to Osasuna. Um, yeah, they, they their start to the season was good, but yeah, they're starting to slowly fall off now and slowly falling down the table. Atletico Madrid, um, they obviously lost last weekend to Barcelona, so they was at home to, um, sorry, to Getafe. They, they actually went... 2-0 up, but it could have been 3-0 up, um, but Luis Suarez, he actually had his penalty saved in the ninth minute, but uh, Correa, who was obviously the player of the month for January, he he got their first goal, uh, Cunha got their second goal, but three minutes later, um, Borja Mayoral, Butch probably butchered his name there, he got a goal back, and then two penalties from Enes Unal, uh, made it 3-2 before half-time to the visitors. Before, obviously, Angle Correa got his second goal of the game to make it 3-3. There were seven minutes added on um, at the end of the first half, obviously, because of 
there was three penalties in that um, three penalties in the first half, which was pretty crazy, um, and a couple of yellow cards. In the second half, uh, Felipe got sent off with a straight red, um, but Mario Hermoso he got the winning goal in the 89th minute to um, secure the fourth three win there. Um, the next game saw Deportivo take on Valencia. They, they're obviously struggling in the league at the moment. Um, they took a 1-0 lead um, in the first half in the 14th minute. Before, in the second half, Valencia were awarded a penalty um, that was converted by Guedes. And in the 76th minute, Deportivo got a penalty themselves. And that made it 2-1 thanks to Hosselu. So, um, obviously, that... That was um, Deportivo's first win since the 6th of November in the league. So they're now four points off the drop zone. So they're closing the gap on Granada. Um, which takes me into my next game was Real Sociedad. They obviously took on Granada. They got an uh, early goal in the first half thanks to a penalty penalty for Mikhail or, or Yazabal. Before in the second half, um, the January transfer, uh, Rafinha, he got the second goal with an assist from Oyazabal. So, yeah, Real Sociedad uh, rounded out two nil winners there. Um, bottom, bottom side, Levante, they took on Real Betis. Uh, Real, Real Betis went 3-0 up in the first half, but Levante did get a goal back before the half, uh, thanks to Danny Gomez. Uh, and he then would go on to score two minutes into the second half to make it 3-2 before Nabil Fakir made it 4-2 with a well-taken free kick. So, yeah, Levante still remain rock bottom. And Real Betis, uh, they're, they're doing well this season. They're still currently in third place. Espanyol took on Barcelona in the almost Barcelona derby. Espanyol went 1-0 down in the first, in the second minute, thanks to Pedri, before getting an equaliser before five minutes before half-time from Sergi Dada. In the second half, Real, um, sorry, Espanyol did go 2-1 up thanks to Raulders Hummus in the 64th minute before well, there was there was two red cards um, one was for Nicolas Melamed he obviously um, had an off the ball foul and then he got a second yellow um, straight after for an argument Pico also got um, sent off for his second yellow before Luke De Jong was scored in the 96th minute pretty much 20 seconds before um, the time was up to make it 2-2 and then the last game, what we saw was on Valentine's Day. That was um, Mallorca took on Athletic Club. Uh, Athletic Club actually did go 2-0 up in the first half. But um, Athletic Club made it 2-2 um, by the 61st minute. But an own goal from Unai Simon in the 88th minute um, secured the points for Mallorca. It, it pretty much it was, it was a shot that hit the post and then it kind of bounced off um, Unai Simon's head into the goal. So it went down as, as an own goal. So, yeah, that was um, a quick roundup of the fixtures this weekend. I'll just quickly run through the bottom and the top of the table. So, like I was saying, Levante, uh, they remain rock bottom at the moment, still on 12 points. They are currently playing at the moment and are drawing 0 0 with. Atletico Madrid. Cadiz are in 19th place on 19 points and Deportivo, after their win, um, are on 20 points. Um, like I said before, four points away from Granada, who um, haven't obviously won a game in 2022. Um, so the top six is Real Sociedad, 
on 38 points. Barcelona after their draw on 39 points. Atletico Madrid are currently in fourth fourth spot with 40 points. Um, if it say, stays the same, but they should beat Levante at home because um, obviously they're the worst team in the league. So yeah, I'm expecting them to win that. Um, Real Betis there a third with 43 points. Sevilla on 50 points, and they have brought the lead down to four points behind Real Madrid, who are on 54 points. Um, I'll quickly have a couple of stats over the weekend. So, Espanyol's 2-2 draw, obviously thanks to Luke de Jong um, scoring, scoring in the last minute uh, seconds of the game, means that Espanyol haven't won a home derby against Barcelona since 2007. So, they never actually have um, won, a, won a home derby in their new stadium as well. So, yeah, that, that's, obviously that's a run going back 15 years now. They usually always draw against Barcelona at home or obviously narrowly lose to them. Uh, Luis Suarez, obviously I mentioned before, his penalty miss was his first since the 15-16 season. Um, Hosselu uh, for Deportivo, he obviously scored the penalty for them. Um, he has actually scored 66% of Deportivo's goals so far this season. And like I said before, Granada haven't won a game in 2022. And the last that I found out was... Real Sociedad are the second lowest scorers in the league at home uh, with just nine goals in 12 home games. So, yeah, that's a quick round-up and a few facts. And, yeah, like I said, Atletico Madrid are playing Levante at the moment. It's still nil-nil. Um, and, yeah, we'll see what happens this weekend. I wanted to get your thoughts, Naim, on this because we've mm. mentioned a lot this season about Barcelona's struggles and for a lot of the year, they were like in seventh, eighth position. I think. I think. I want to say maybe one point, even in tenth place. But mm. now they're currently sitting in fifth place, as you mentioned, mentioned just then. Yeah. Obviously, if Tetco win, they'll be four points behind. But if they draw, as it is, they'll be one point behind with a game in hand. Yeah. Which will put them in top four. Obviously, they got a big win against Atletico recently. I think Dani Alves got sent off and scored in the same game. Um, obviously, Xavi came in. Has he been the reason why things have changed, or has there been something else? So, what sort of caused Barcelona's? Um, I they, they play in Europa League uh, tomorrow, which is a far cry from what we're used to as Barcelona. Yeah. But what what seems to have changed? How can they? What's caused their recent good run of results? Um, I think it probably is down to Xavi. You know, he's um he's come in um, obviously halfway through the season. I think since he's been there, let me just double check. Let me just see his records. He Finnegan only, yeah, I don't think, yeah, they haven't, they've only lost one, yeah, they've only lost one game in the league so far with him being in charge. So, obviously with him, he's he's a Barcelona legend, he knows what it means, obviously, to be at the top top, um, top of, the, of the table um, as a Barcelona player. So, he obviously, he's brought in his playing style, um, they've obviously strengthened in January, um, in attacking positions, what what they needed because uh, Braithwaite, he, he's still injured. Um, the pie, you know, he he is he's been a top goal scorer this season, but also they did they did need a bit more attacking threat going forward. So I'll, I'll probably say yeah, it's down to obviously the new manager change, um, and I think it's a manager that obviously most of the players will respect because Xavi's pretty much won everything in in his career. So yeah, I'll, I'll say it's uh, mainly down to Xavi and. Um, obviously, the players that he's brought in, and and yeah, I'll say it's down to him mainly. Yeah, and I obviously one player they have brought in January was Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, and I've mm. seen rumours these last few days that Arsenal 
allegedly snubbed a swap deal with PSG with Mario Carly coming in the way. I mean, for me, that would have been perfect situation for Arsenal in terms of there's no money they spent. They they they, they still would have earned no money regardless from the transfer, and they would have got player in exchange. But I think Ryan talked about it perfectly in his tweet: the fact that um, they don't need another sort of player like him, another big no. ego, another locker room cancer. So. Um, so and you know, I don't. I don't feel. Also, I feel that he's not as good as people. I. I, th- I think he's slightly overrated. But I do think that maybe for a team chasing top four rather chasing a title, I think maybe he'd do better in that in that way. But we mentioned Ryan. We mentioned Barcelona, who are playing Napoli tomorrow in the Europa in the Europa League. So Ryan, what's been happening these last seven days in Italy? Well, first off, we had the Coppa Italia last Wednesday and Thursday, which resulted in Milan, Inter, Juve and Fiorentina all making it into the semi-finals, which leads us on to an all-Milan semi-final, which will make for good viewing in regards to the two fixtures we've already seen this season. And we'll also see Vlaric as well return to Fiorentina quicker than what he thought, which should make for interesting stuff. But (laughs) on to the weekend's action in the league, and we now have a new leader in Serie A with Milan going top after a narrow 1-0 win over Sampdoria with Rafael Leal getting the goal to continue his good form for the season. He's now contributed 10 goals in around 18 appearances, I believe, 7 goals, 3 assists, so he's starting to really hit his form lately. Uh, the former league leaders now, Inter, they drew 1-0 with the third title challenger in all this, Napoli, and a result that now means we have Milan, Inter and Napoli just separated by two points. Although Inter do have that game in hand still. But in regards to a bit lower down, you've got Juve. They needed a very, very late goal. 92nd minute goal away to Atalanta to draw 1-0. After Ruslan Malinovsky scored an absolute screamer in the 76th minute. If anybody hasn't seen it, go on YouTube and have a look at it because... I don't think I've seen many players strike a ball so perfectly and uh, with such power as well. Definitely a goal of the season contender, in my opinion. But that means now the two sides battling for fourth spot have separated themselves by just two points. We can't count out Maurizio Sarri's Lazio, who themselves are on a five-game unbeaten run at the moment in Serie A, moving up to fifth, just a few points off Atalanta after their 3-0 win at the weekend. So there's a lot of movement at the moment in the league with just, again, five points at the bottom separating 18th-placed Cagliari and 14th Spezia, meaning anyone in between those and including those could go down with the already doomed Salernitana and Genoa. In terms of player statistics, Immobile, he still remains top goal scorer by the one goal. In terms of the team of the week, I think Verona are mine after brilliant 4 win at home to Udinese. They themselves are having an impressive season, continuing their good form in the top 10 at the moment. I believe they're in ninth, so they're definitely defying expectations. But, yeah, in terms of, I mean, the Champions League games and the European fixtures, obviously we've got a big one tonight. The only Italian, uh, no, not the only Italian team left in the competition, but in terms of this week, you've got Inter who are at home to Liverpool. In my opinion, I think Liverpool will win the game just because Inter, they're missing a couple of players, the likes of uh, Joaquin Correa 
and more importantly, Nicola Barella, who's a very, very key player to how in their play, and they're going to miss him very much so, I believe. And if Liverpool are full strength, which I think they are, I can see Liverpool getting a one or two nil away win. But we'll see in a they can definitely cause a surprise. In terms of Europa League, obviously, you mentioned it there, Andy. Napoli, they're away to Barcelona tomorrow in a 5.45 kickoff. That'll be a really, really interesting game because, as I say, Napoli themselves are in good form in Serie A, challenging for the Squadetto. Barcelona, a bit hit and miss in the minute. I thought they were really, really good against Atletico you know, a couple of weeks back and then really poor against Espanyol. Espanyol should have won the game. And they've kind of threw it away towards the end. So I don't really know what to make of Barca at the minute. I think that's a tie that could definitely go either way. Uh, in terms of the other Italian teams, you've got Atalanta. They're at home to Olympiacos. And Lazio, who are away to Porto. Another very interesting game. Porto playing very well at the moment in uh, the Portuguese league. I think they drew with title challenges sport at the weekend. And obviously Lazio mentioned there in a good run of form in Serie A. So, yeah, I mean, there's some interesting games for sure. I don't believe there's any Italian teams in the Europa Conference League. I can't see any, so I don't think I have to go into that one. But yeah, it's definitely all to play for with, as I say, the league, Europa, uh, Europe, European competition, should I say, and relegation all up in the air with only about what? 10, 11 games left to go, I think. So, interesting stuff. Yeah, and just on that as well, I've, I did actually, whilst you were talking, I did actually watch the uh, goal the, the goal back, and wow, what a goal that is. Also, a terrible, I watched a terrible, a terrible miss in that game. I've just watched the highlights. There was a terrible sitter that I saw miss from across. That was pretty terrible. Um, you know, so you mentioned the Champions League this week with Italian clubs. I've actually... Apologies for the shameless plug. I did an article which actually been released within the last few hours on a well-known Italian website called Get Italian Football News about Inter Milan and Juventus' uh, chances of going far in the competition. Uh, in terms of Inter Milan, I did put that they'd get knocked out to us because I do think that with our current form in the competition, winning all of our six games, um, I think we're just playing too well at the moment in that tournament to not win. To, um, and also, but it, I, I was saying Inter Milan, I was looking at their form, it's really good. Uh, Inter Milan, they've um, obviously, they've not, not really been close since 2010, but uh, they obviously got in Dzeko for Lukaku. Obviously, they sold him for almost £100 million. Dzeko was free, but Dzeko scored 14 goals in all competitions, where Lukaku scored eight with only five in the league. And a lot of these goals he scored have been in, in like things like the FA Cup or um, sorry, the League Cup or Club World Cup or um, stuff like that. So I think they've had a really good season, I think, and they're definitely going to be fighting again. And looking at their last few games... They've made, they've only won two of the last five games, but they've won nine of the last twelve in the league, and they've won twelve of the last sixteen in all competitions. So, on paper, we should win this game, but I do feel that um, with Inter Milan, they're you know, especially away as well to tonight. I think that they're going to be a tough opposition, and I feel Inter Milan are not getting as much credit as they deserve, maybe from from pundits or from the media. I do feel that they are a team that could surprise a few, which is annoying because we originally had Salzburg in this draw. So if we lose into Milan, I'd be very annoyed because I think I would have rather played Salzburg than, than into Milan. So now we're heading to the final league, which is, if you haven't guessed, the Premier League. Now, there was a game on last night as well, which saw Manchester United 
beat Brighton 2-0 with goals from Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo, who ends his five or six game streak without a goal. Uh, and that keeps them well in, in hand for top four race. In a game that probably no one watched because at the same time, there was P- that PSG-Manchester United game. Now, let's rewind all the way back to the Saturday fixtures. Um, so, a second, what's going on here? I have, um, so, let's head back to the Saturday game, which also features Manchester United. They drew 1-1 at home to Southampton. Jaden Sancho gave them a lead before an equaliser from Che Adams gave both teams a share of the spoils. A game that included a wonderful save as well from the Southampton keeper in this game as well. Now, Brentford and Palace drew 0-0 in a game they probably all want to forget. Frank Lampard got his first win as Everton manager in the league as they beat Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United three goals to nil with goals from Gordon, Michael Keane and Seamus Coleman. I mentioned Brighton before, they got a win on the weekend, beating Watford 2-0 with goals from Adam Webster, Adam Webster and Neil Moore Pye. And in the, in the late game on the Saturday, Raheem Sterling scored a hat-trick as well as missing a penalty in this game in a game that also saw Phil Foden get on the score sheet. Now, let's get on to Sunday as Fabinho got another goal in a 1-0 win for Liverpool away at Turf Moor against Burnley as their relegation woes continue. In a big game down the bottom, Newcastle um, got some points uh, in this game. They got three points after a 1-0 win against Aston Villa. The goal came from Kieran Trippier, but injury to him means that he may miss a lot of the rest of the season. Um, Spurs' woes carry on as they lost 2-0 at home to Wolves with goals from Raul Jimenez and Leon Dendonka. And then the, the other game, a half-four, saw West Ham and Leicester play out an entertaining 2-2 draw. Leicester goals came from Pereira and Tielmans, and West Ham's goals came from Jared Bowen, who once again scores, and a great season for him, and also Craig Dawson, who got a late equaliser. And also the game the game afterwards, I mentioned, that Tuesday game was the Man U Brighton game. Um, I want to get your thoughts just quickly. I mentioned Jared Bowen just then. Um, he's been having a great season, uh, so far this Premier League season with the England internationals I, I imagine next month or whenever they're playing I always forget with the international friendlies when when. but Jared Bowen has been playing he's been one of the best midfielders English midfielders I think this Premier League season do you think it's finally time for him to get an England call up what do you boys think about this I mean considering the form of some of our other midfielders definitely um, I don't see why he shouldn't be given an opportunity I think it's an opportunity for Gareth Southgate to pick some more obscure players, let's say, some players that maybe haven't reached the squad in previous uh, international breaks or tournaments. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you now, I'll not watch it if Harry Maguire gets picked again. <laughs> you, you know he will. <laughs> you know, if him or or Tyrone Mings are picked oh, ahead of Ben White, oh. I tell you now, he's... He's, he's lost the plot if he if he does that again. You can't keep, you know, going back to these players just because you know, they've experienced and they've been in previous squads. It doesn't matter. You need to give other players an opportunity. Yeah, it's just so. I think, I think, yeah, I, I don't see why not to give them an opportunity. I've seen a few people mention him, uh, especially Arsenal fellow Arsenal fans who will follow on Twitter over the last couple of weeks. Sort of mention him saying maybe he'll get a a move to a, you know, not. Not much. Obviously, West Ham already a big club anyway. But you know, he might potentially get a move to a top six, a top six club sooner rather than later. Especially if he continues his form at the moment. So, who knows? 
Yeah, I think it's Bowen. I think that whilst West Ham are certainly in the top four, hand, I think that if they, if they get fourth place, which I, I don't think they will when when the Europa, Europa League comes back, but I do feel that if they get top four, I don't see them leaving unless you know a big offer comes that West Ham can't turn down. But I do feel that there's been, been a lot of talk for a while now about him coming to Liverpool. Um, whilst I don't think he'd want to go there in terms of at Arsenal, he gets probably a starting role every week, whereas at Liverpool, I don't feel that he would probably start week in, week out, but the lure of Champions League football, especially if Arsenal don't make it, um, is a big one. I think personally, I would love to see him there because he would add great depth. From a selfish fan's point of view, I would love to have him there because have him on your bench or starting one game and not the next, I think that's, um, that's the one thing we, we lack compared to City is that depth. I think having someone like him and Rafinha in the team only increases that. But I think... I, I yeah. think, I think it's a chance. Oh my gosh. Rafinha is someone I've wanted for a while now. He's, someone, he's my, probably my number one target in the summer. I think he's that, he has that creativity that we really lack unless we have Thiago fit, which seems to be quite, not very often how it's gone in the last two years he's been at the club. But um, I do feel that he would offer, offer something different. I think we've got people like Fabinho, Henderson, Milner, all the players exactly the same. We need someone with creativity in our team. And I think he, either him or Bowen would bring that. I mean, Bowen can, Bowen can take set pieces, too. I love how he's, he's pressed at West Ham. He's so fast. Um, you know, he yeah, was so good on the whole city for so long and sort of started out quietly at West Ham. I didn't watch too much back in, gosh, it was that 2020, so not, not too long ago. But, yeah, I mean, this, this last year or so, he's really come on. And I could see Liverpool getting him, but if they can get Rafinha, two guys who can sort of play off that right side and then sort of cut into the left, that'd be kind of scary, especially with Diaz now on the left. I think I think it depends at the moment because the, the summer window, I think, is going to be the biggest transfer window we've ever seen ever, Ooh, in, in, in my opinion. I, I think it is because you've already got arguably the two, well, they are the two best youngsters in the world um, potentially moving. But it's a bit strange how Salah hasn't signed a new deal yet. Oh, don't don't start me on that. That's a constant. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very weird. It's the same. You know, you've got really, really it's perfectly good fine though. You have you have his replacement in Jared Bowen. There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> I, I, I think he will sign a new deal because I don't see where he will actually go because Real Madrid aren't going to go for him if they're getting Mbappe mm. in. Um, I don't think. PSG would either. I don't think they really need a winger, so I don't really see where actually he would go. So I think he'll sign a new deal. I think it's just maybe his agent trying to get a little bit more money. Uh, same with Rudiger's agent as well. But I think got... maybe I think maybe he's an understatement in that one about his agent. It's not oh, yeah, an agent, <laughs> without a doubt. And obviously Liverpool's owners are notoriously quite tight as well with their money. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's just a bit of sort of game of chess at the moment but like I say you've got so many clubs that are going to be on the market for the players in in, in the summer you know with so many moving about or, or plus all the free contracts they are going to be the, the Bosman players moving on obviously Dybala mm-hmm. who's having a unreal season really with Juve considering his injury problems he's going to be on the move so there's there's going to uh, I stand I stand by that statement um and if we get top four as well, in regards to Arsenal, you know, there's three or four positions that we're going to improve on as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, I am. Yeah, I want to make a point 
you mentioned it as well uh, in your talk about Maguire. I will say that I think he bought the pick, and I think the same thing happens with Pickford. Some players play different for their country than their club, and vice versa. And I will say Maguire's he's been bad for Man U this, this last season, but I've not seen him put a foot wrong for England. I don't. Think, I, I mean, I don't want. I haven't. Mm. I don't watch any of the games recently with England. But in that Euros, he was spectacular, and in the in the years gone by for England. So I think that. I think that whilst he's been playing bad for Man U, some players like Pickford's the same thing. He's a much different player for England than he is for um, club level. And you saw it with Mirosav closer years ago as well. He was exactly the same way. Um, so I, I think Maguire, I think he will get in. And I think that he may well, you know, I know he scored against a rubbish team. He put his hands to uh, fingers, to, no, his um, hands to his ears. But I, I, still, I still think he'll get picked because he's got that sort of, it happens all years. It's happened for years now. Players get picked based on who they play for, but I do think Maguire deserves a chance because he's not had done much, much wrong for England. I think Southgate would appreciate that. But will I pick him based on current form? Absolutely not. He's been diabolical. So it's interesting to see they are friendly. So maybe with the fact they're friendlies, he may spice things up. May go for oh. sort of newer players, like you were saying, Ryan. Just maybe go for fresher faces and stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's exactly that. It's the friendlies. So, you know, it's not as if these are friendlies leading up to a, a major tournament. You know, we don't, the major tournament doesn't take place until November, December. So, this is now time just to give players an opportunity. And then, obviously, you always get to a couple of days or a week before where players, you know, especially who play for the big clubs, mysteriously start getting injured and then mm-hmm. you know, get recalled yeah. anyway. So, I think we're going to have a lot of that. You know, we're not going to, especially. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'd rather the likes of Saka and Smithrow and Ben White not to get called up. You know, I don't want them potentially going and playing whoever England are playing and getting injured. You know, maybe so. Uh, this is this is the problem with. I mean, I don't see the the point of having friendly so close to the end of the season anyway. It's ridiculous, and you know, these could have taken place in the summer, especially mm-hmm. with there being no World Cup in the summer this year. So. It's really, it's really odd, but we'll see. Eventually, exciting. The word exciting. Um, one thing for me is exciting. Just seeing Liverpool's team against Inter Milan. Uh, Javier is starting, so I'm really excited to see how oh. he'll do in the San Siro in such a big game. Because I think he's a player with a lot of bright future. And who's he replaced? Say that hey. again. Who's he replaced? I assume he's in, in that midfield for eight. Yeah, it's him, Thiago and Fabinho and then the normal front three. Um, obviously, you mentioned England games. I think he's, he's going to be an absolute um, formality in that team when, when, he, when he gets older. He's, in the future, he's just going to be a same as Phil Foden now. I think he's going to get week in, week out, going to play. I think he's an excellent, exciting prospect. Um, so that is the end of our podcast for this week. But before we go, we're going to get one-word answers for everyone. We've mentioned Champions League a lot tonight. We're going to get one-word answers with everyone's picks for Champions League winner come May. So I'll start off, Man City. Naeem, who's going to win the Champions League this this season? Liverpool. Oh, good man. I like, I like, I like that. Uh, Ryan? PSG. PSG. And then um, Jonathan? It's between City and, and Bayern for me. I'll go with I'll go with Bayern. Oh, we've we've got a um a four team choice there. So what I'm gonna do in that case, I'm gonna put a poll out on Twitter and put all the four teams and see which teams you guys feel 
it's most likely to win the tournament. And we'll let you know who wins the poll next week. So if you're listening, do give that poll a vote. So that has been the Eurotrip podcast for this week. Check us out next week for more content on European football. I have been your host, Andy. This has been Ryan. This has been Naeem. This has been Jonathan. And we will see you next week. See ya.